Megan. And Hillary. And this is more booze, please. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about cowboy legends and the Wild West. But before we get started with the stories, we want to ask you guys to stop what you're doing and go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. If you have an iPhone. (laughs) If you have an iPhone. Um, Yeah, please go rate us. Let us know what you think. We've gotten some awesome reviews, so we just want to know what you guys think of our podcast. We want to get better and better. (laughs) Higher in the charts. (laughs) I guess you get to go first this time. Yeah, I guess I do. Okay, everyone. So I thought that I would start us off with a lighthearted storyo. Storyo? Storyo. A storyo. So I thought I would start us off with a lighthearted story first before going a little bit darker and uh, a little spookier. So as I was looking for good Wild West stories, I stumbled upon a story about the red ghost that was said to terrorize the deserts between Arizona and New Mexico. And I was like, this red ghost, oh my gosh, I'm going to totally do my story on this. But then I started to read a little more and I was like, oh, not what I thought. (laughs) So a little backstory about what this is all about. During the mid 1800s, the then secretary um, of war, Jefferson Davis, suggested importing camels to the desert. Like the animal? Like the animal camels. He was like, let's import some camels. So this actually came after Edward Fitzgerald Beale, who was a war veteran, saw how badly the horse performed in the desert. So even though we see all these Wild West movies and things like that with horses and cowboys and whatever, they apparently performed very badly because it's so hot and they're not used to that climate. I think it was also really bad on their joints to walk in the mm-hmm. sand. Yeah. So this guy was like, you know what? Why not we get an animal who actually is used to this climate and the desert and sand and knows how to live and survive and let's import some camels. So the U.S. military imported 75 camels and formed a U.S. Army Camel Corps. Are you serious? I'm freaking serious. I looked it up. I literally was typing this. I looked at Connor and was like, did you know we had a U.S. Army Camel Corps? And he was like, What? I'm just sitting here thinking about all these freaking camels, like, in a war. That's what they were thinking. <laughs> I can't even... It's so funny. They... Yes. Look it up. I it's can't even, like, Wikipedia. process this right now. <laughs> what year was this? And it, This is in the 1800s. This is, like, um, the Civil War time. So, yes, I shit you not. The military had freaking a U.S. Army camel corpse. Oh, my God. So, one group of camels was stationed in texas while the other went to california to be under beale's command yes camels under command Mm -hmm. so during this time it's the civil war like i had said in congress uh congress was like yeah no um we're not paying for more freaking camels because it's the civil war so they were expecting to use these camels in the war in the war that's really scary can you imagine these these army men on camels like charging into war can you charge on a camel camels are freaking scary and they're huge have you heard the noise a camel makes like when it hawks a loogie (laughs) sure anyways so um so anyways 
this guy is, or the U.S. Congress is like, we're not paying for more camels. That's not happening. And those who bred mules at the time were also like, yeah, no more camels, dude. Like, you're taking away our money. Like, get the camels out of here. So a war broke out, and the Confederate forces actually captured the herd of camels in Texas and then just let the majority of them free. They just let them loose. They didn't, like, capture them and, like, take them for their – no, they were like, you know what? Free. Loose. Go run away. So there's just wild camels in Texas. (laughs) Just wild camels. Can you imagine just driving down the road and seeing a whole freaking bunch of camels, like, just running amok, just (laughs) charging around? I feel like I would assume I was in the state of Florida. (laughs) Carol Baskin. Get your camel. (laughs) So so anyways. So now the two guys were, were right. The camels were definitely suited for this climate, and they did just fine, even on their own and loose. But most of the cowboys around had never seen the so-called beasts that were roaming this area, which makes for a lot of good stories and sightings of scary of these creatures. I'm sure the military kept this a secret that they were importing freaking camels. And then camels are let go and loose. And then you're just freaking riding along on the freaking Oregon Trail and you're on your horse and you see a freaking camel charging at you. So and back like, then they probably didn't know like what camels were. Yeah, exactly. It's just... It's so weird. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess they probably did. I don't know. It's just a weird situation. (laughs) Did they? I don't know. (laughs) It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? No more freaking chicken talk. (laughs) (laughs) We got chickens, we got ducks. Now we got camels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Forget can I pet that dog. Now it's can I pet that duck. Anyways, sorry. Okay. Where are we at? <laughs> so back to the story. So <laughs> Okay, quoting Connor now. <laughs> anyway. So Okay, so why I chose to talk about this whole camel thing is because of the red ghosts. Now, the settlers of the area described it as a terrifying beast with an also terrifying rider strapped to its back. (laughs) Even an article by the Smithsonian said, legend had it the so-called ghost took down a frickin' bear and then would disappear into thin air. (laughs) This is a Smithsonian. No. Okay. Sorry, it's just so funny to me. So these red ghosts caused all this terror and scared all the people in the area. But it was finally caught. And you might think, how the heck do you catch a ghost? Well, a rancher actually caught it and shot the beast in his tomato patch. (laughs) I think just made this story up. <laughs> this is real life. This is America. That's when they realized that this was not a ghostly beast at all, but just a mean, reddish-colored feral camel. The freaking camels that got let loose became feral and would attack shit. So, I feel like that's camels to begin with. <laughs> right. 
So, as for the rest of the camels, they were eventually captured or sadly killed, and the very last of them all, Topsy. <laughs> he passed away in Los Angeles Zoo in 1934, so you can imagine he lived a very happy life. So, that's my story about the Red Ghost. I just thought I would share the camels with the world. Okay, so, now into, uh, I've been trying to, uh, oh my gosh, I, I meant to tell you something before we got started. Okay, so real quick, before we get into spookier stuff, I apologize. Um, so, I meant to tell you something that had to do with my dog and your dog howling made me think of it. So, I, we have a dog, he's a little puppy, and he howls a lot when we leave, and we're in an apartment complex, and I feel bad for my neighbors, like, who wants to hear an annoying dog go, oh, all day, like, no one, so I was like, it's gotta be the kennel, I think he hates the kennel, so I bought a dog pen for inside my house, for the dog to roam, and not tear my crap up, because he chewed the frickin' wall, so... He can't be trusted. So we get this great little pen, spend 40 bucks on it, put it up, move an area for him. It's all great. And then we come home today and I'm unlocking the door and I can hear the dog barking, but it's too close to be in his pen. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this freaking dude climbed like a three and a half foot tall <laughs> enclosure. And... We were a little scared, so we went and looked over, like, oh, my gosh, he could have gotten caught. So he actually didn't climb the three-foot side. He climbed on top of his cage, (laughs) and there was little, like, hole marks in the blanket over his cage where his little paws were, like, falling through the kennel. Oh, no. And, yeah, and he got out. So, 40 bucks. Well spent. Wasted. (laughs) Today. That makes me think of something that happened to me today. I told you nothing interesting happened, but your story sparks my story. (laughs) So we have a rug in my living room, and then we have a sectional couch. And the rug was not, like, pushed against the couch. And I wanted to push it up, like, under it and then put the coffee table closer to the couch because it was too far away. So we did, and, like, as soon as we did it, my dog just, like, looks at it, and he just jumps on the coffee table and just stands on the coffee table and just stares at us and is like, okay, this is my place now. He's never done that before until he moved it today, so. This is my place. I'm just going to lay on your coffee table now. Well, I will say I am impressed with him because we searched the apartment. It's not very big, but we looked. And there was nothing chewed, and he didn't pee. He's so, coming up. Yeah. So I was like, okay, impressed. But he was probably mad because the door was still locked to the like enclosure. Mm-hmm. So all of his toys mm-hmm. were locked away. <laughs> so he just had to pout and stare at them probably. But, yeah, get a puppy, they say. Fun, they say. No, thanks. I'll stick with my old man dog. Wouldn't do it again. Now I understand when I was a kid being like, Dad, buy me the puppy. And he was like, hell no. (laughs) I understand. I'm telling my kids, hell no. No way. Anyways. Okay, so 
Now we'll get back into the spookier stories. So this next story takes place at the Velocito Stage Station in San Diego County. For those who don't know what a stage is, it's like a stagecoach. No, not the concert. (laughs) It's a little carriage that takes you places. So that's what a stage is. I was really confused when I was looking at it, so I thought I would explain it to other people. So, this uh, stage station is located near the west side of the Colorado Desert. And the name comes from when the Spaniards explored the cursed area. Yep, cursed. So, (laughs) the valley, which had a natural spring and grassland, was an obviously exciting and relieving moment for those who crossed the desert, which they called the Journey of Death. Oh. Yeah, Journey of Death. A little history about the area. In 1851, a pioneer named James R. Lassiter saw an opportunity in the valley to establish a store and campground to accommodate the many migrants who were traveling from the east to the west. This encouraged many other pioneers to build homes and businesses in the area as well. In 1854, two men by the names of Samuel Warnock and Joseph Swikaffer implemented the first mail route in Southern California. This semi-weekly hearse, hearse, this semi-weekly horseback delivery between San Diego and Yuma, Arizona made Velocito a common stop along the route. Now, funny thing, it was called like the Jackass Mail or something <laughs> like that. I think I've heard of that. And I was like, what? And then I thought, oh, donkey. That's probably why it was called <laughs> Jackass. Um, so, Although this place was considered to be a place of relief after traveling through the desert, the station, like numerous places in the Old West, was witness to murder, robberies, and daily human miseries. And I chose this place because I love that it literally, it's filled with so many ghosts roaming the area. Like, if you go now, you're going to run into a ghost. It also made me think of this episode of Charmed, which is like my favorite all-time episode I've seen. I've Episode? No. It's my favorite all-time show, and I've seen every episode probably three times. Oh, wow. I'm obsessed. I grew up watching it. I thought I was a witch as a kid. I wanted to be able to, like, blink and then move something. Like, that's what (laughs) I wanted to do. I would seriously walk into a room and, like, move my hands thinking I could freeze stuff. And my mom's probably like, dude, child, stop being so weird. <laughs> I had, I'm not kidding, I had a, um, oh, my gosh, what's it called now? I can't think of it. A pendulum? No, it's not the word. But I had a little crystal my mom got me, and I would literally, literally, I would literally sit there. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me right now. But I would literally sit there and, like, spin it over the map thinking I could find someone because of the show. Wow. So, anyways, there's an episode of Charmed, and it's about this old Wild West town that's cursed. And Ghosts of the Wild West play out the same day over and over again. And you can, like, if you're there in, like, current times, you can hear the sound of, like, cowboys talking and the doors to the saloon opening, the sounds of boots hitting the floor, and the the neighing of horses. So, I don't know. It just kind of made me think of this area because it's covered in ghosts. Like, I wonder if you go there and it's, like, almost like time is still going, but in the Wild West kind of theme. I don't know. So, anyways, just a thought. So, I thought I would start off 
with your typical ghost story from the Wild West, a bunch of outlaw bandits. So the first ghostly tale is that of the White Horse of Velocito, which is said to be the result of a stage robbery gone wrong. This stage was heading to the station when it was held up by four men on horseback with guns pointing at the driver. The driver ended up giving the bandits a box containing $65,000, which is insane to think about that they were carrying that much money because I looked up the inflation price. $2 million is what they would have had today. Just walking around in a box. Just trap. But you got to think, too. These people were probably coming from the east to the west for, to, to start a whole new life. And they're they're literally carrying their life savings with them. $65,000. So they were fleeing. The stage driver fired one single shot, hitting one bandit. And when the rest of the robbers had fled the scene, the driver approached the man he had shot, but was surprised to find a second dead bandit. So this made the driver think that the leader had shot his own man to be able to run away with money for himself. When the other two bandits, because there was four, but when the other two bandits arrived at the station, they stopped for food and drink, and the two started to argue. And according to the tale, the leader left the building, and moments later, he rode through the doorway, mounted on his big white stallion, and shot the other (laughs) bandit dead. However, the other bandit was able to return shots, and the leader fell dead from his horse as well. The shots are said to have spooked the horse, and it ran away to the nearby hills. Now, I should mention, these two guys, when they got all that money, they buried it in the middle of the desert. Of course. And then died before they could go get it. So, so there's no just $65,000 in the just, desert. Yeah, just buried somewhere in the desert. I'm sure there's, like, a building on top of it now if it's in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just gone. So, or someone lucky has dug it up and didn't tell anyone. Who knows? I mean, if you dig up $65,000, though, like, unless you successfully launder that money, that's just, like, unlimited groceries and gas. Like, you can't do anything else with it. Well, you gotta think, too, it's the 1800s, so that money probably looks way different. So I bet it's worth even more now. Because it's probably like rare dollar bills that you'll never see ever again unless you have it. Coins. True. True. Who knows? One day we'll find that 65K. Quicksand. (laughs) You know, I grew up feeling like quicksand was going to be a bigger problem in my adult life than it actually is. (laughs) I don't know if anybody else that grew up in the 90s feels that way too, but I felt like I was going to battle quicksand like on a weekly basis. Because it was in so many movies yeah. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You never see it anymore. No, but it was always everybody's used. prepared for it. Nobody's caught <laughs> off guard by quicksand anymore. <laughs> so it's said that the white horse ghost continues to roam the hills where the bandits had supposedly buried the loot. The horse usually appears around midnight out of nowhere before galloping through the sand and disappearing into thin air. So, now, the most famous ghost of this area is the White Lady of Velocito. She arrived at Butterfield Stage sometime around the 1850s, where she had sadly gotten ill and had to be carried to the actual station. She was from back east, which is crazy to think that she traveled all the way. She was on her way to Sacramento, where her fiancé had struck it big in the gold fields. Her name was Eileen O'Connor, 
which I love that I found someone named Eileen O'Connor because my grandma's name is Eileen and my husband's name is Connor, so it was meant to be. I'm glad I thought about your grandma before I thought about your husband. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't even cross my mind. (laughs) Anyway, so our sickly, frail body was taken to a bed in the back of the station. Despite the best efforts of those who were helping her, she died. When the station staff went through her traveling trunk, they find her, found her white wedding dress in which they dressed her in and buried her in an unmarked grave. But Eileen was not ready to go. People have said that she paces restlessly around the old station site waiting for the stage to take her to her lover in Sacramento. She is considered the most famous ghost because she makes herself known even to those who deny the existence of ghosts. She does not harm those who she sees, but it is still an eerie sight to see the frail young lady pace the grounds. And when I was doing this, I just wanted to know, why are there so many creepy, eerie women ghosts clothed in a white dress? Like, why is that the thing? Because I think that... And this is just my opinion. I'm not a professional. But when you think of females and you think of, like, at least, like, before, like, the most tr- traditional, like, view of a woman was a wife to her husband or yeah. you know, a spouse. So that's, like, you take a pure girl and that's when she becomes a woman, yeah. technically. Because that's what you see is, like, every state has a woman in white. Yeah. Every state has like a ghost story of a woman in white so and i think it's also like a tale of like lost hope like you have all these hopes and dreams of the future and it starts with that day and then well that's sad so yeah (laughs) another thing that is said to happen in the area which is strange balls of light which are seen on oriflame mountain which is just north of velocito station On dark nights, people have said to see mysterious ghost lights that bob over the slopes of the mountain. The first ever account of this was reported all the way back in 1858. After this, reports came in from soldiers, prospectors, and even explorers traveling the area. Not only were they seen near the mountain, but also over Borrego Valley and in the nearby areas. Some travelers had said these burning balls were so bright they lit the sky like fireworks. You can actually still visit this area today as it's part of the Velocito Regional Park in San Diego. And what do you know? You might see a ghostly horse, a man driving his stage, or even the woman in white. Or maybe a ferocious camel named Topsy. Topsy. <laughs> Topsy the camel. Yeah, I definitely think the camels were my favorite part of your research. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Like, what the heck? The U.S. Camel Corps? <laughs> like, did they retire it, or are there still, like, secret agent camels? From what I read, all the camels have died. Like, it actually didn't work, because people would... <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> because the camels, when they were released, they became feral, and they were mean to people, and so others would just kill them. So, yeah. That's really sad, though. I know. Wasn't a good idea to have camels roaming the desert. I guess that means it's my turn. Yeah. Let's hear about New Mexico. 
Yes, I chose Lincoln, New Mexico. <sighs> okay, so Lincoln, New Mexico was, from what I read and what I researched, was named after Abraham Lincoln in 1869. And while this small town played a big part of American history, today it holds a tiny population. I looked up the census in 2010, and according to that, it says that 189 people live in Lincoln. <laughs> and I've never been to Lincoln, but from what I could tell, like, I think the main town is just, like, a little strip. Like, I don't think it's, oh, like, wow. this, like, city. I think it's just a little strip, and then people live, like, outside, kind mm -hmm. of. I don't know for sure that I've never been, but since it has such a small population, I assume it gives off a pretty eerie vibe. Yeah. Some people may call it a ghost town. However, most of the population, uh, what? Okay, start over. Most of the population is retired or they work directly with the tourist economy. So um, I think a lot of them own like shops and stuff like that because it brings in a lot of people because of the story that I'm about to tell. So even though Lincoln is small in population, it is said to be one of the prettiest towns in the country. It's nestled in the desert, like right next to a national forest. So after driving for miles and miles through the sand, like green trees are just a sight for sore eyes. It just catches you off guard and there it is. And maybe this is what like attracted cowboys back in the day to the area. Now, you can't think of the Wild West without thinking about gunfights. And that's where the cowboys led peaceful Lincoln. The Lincoln County War began in the eight, early 1870s with two men, Lawrence Murphy and James Dolan. These two gentlemen owned large cattle ranches, which would technically make them cowboys. I don't know if there's any other requirements for being a cowboy. <laughs> I didn't research that part, but they owned cattle ranches. However, they were also great businessmen. They started a merchantile and a banking store in Lincoln with a man named John Riley. And this was the only like shop in Lincoln County, which was the largest county in the nation at this time. And it consumed most of New Mexico. So you can imagine the wealth this operation promised. They monopolized the market and they determined the pricing for all of the goods and trade around the area. After a while, Alexander McSween and John Tunstall recognized the wealth in this monopoly and they thought, hey, we should do the same thing. So that's what they did. The new business in town also brought in over 100,000 cattle. So the competition is real. They started their own store and they brought it in over a hundred thousand cows, like mm -hmm. just like doing the same thing two different ways. So as we expect, this rivalry rivalry ultimately led to a gunfight. John Tunstall refused the fight as he did not believe in violence as a decision maker. Murphy and Dolan used their monopolizing power to bully McSween and Tunstall. A court order was issued against Tunstall to seize some of his horses for outstanding debt. Tunstall knew who was behind this and he refused to give up his horses. This resulted in Tunstall being shot in the head and he immediately died. Now, what you're probably unaware of is Tunstall had a very close friend. He considered him like a nephew. This young teenager will be the most recognized by the name 
Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid took Tunstall's death very hard, and he swore that he would kill every son of a bitch that was involved in his murder. Soon, Billy the Kid joined a revenge posse known as the Regulators, who was led by one of Tunstall's cattle workers. The one thing the Regulators could agree on was the mission to seek revenge and kill Tunstall's murderer, William Morton. It didn't take long for the Regulators to track William Morton, and it only took them three weeks. When they found William and some more deputies that were with him, it turned into a five-mile chase with horses and guns and the whole scene that you could imagine from, like, an old western. They were just, like, chasing each other. And after five miles of high-speed chasing, William Morton surrendered his life on the one condition that the other deputies would be escorted back to Lincoln alive and unharmed. So, they killed William Morton, and they took the other guys, and they started back to Lincoln. However, about three days into the journey back to Lincoln, Billy the Kid killed one of the deputies and a regulator that tried to stop him. Instead of fleeing, like they should have done, the regulators just headed back to Lincoln and set up in the Tunstall's old shop. I guess they just, like, this town, this town can't stop me or whatever, yeah. so they just, like, went right back to it. The sheriff was searching for who killed most of all of his, I guess, police force. And when he approached the shop, he was ambushed by the regulators, which resulted in the end of his life as well as his partner. So they've killed like a bunch of cops at this point, which is like a huge no-no. And in July of the same year, so it was about four months later, Lincoln had a new sheriff as well as a whole new law enforcement team. They set Alexander McSween, if you all remember, that's Tunstall's business partner. They set his house on fire, and they shot the men as they ran out of the house. This killed McSween, and he was also unarmed, just saying. The Lincoln County War resulted in the death of 19 people. It ended when then-President Rutherford Hayes ordered the governor to back down and not pursue martial law. So somehow the regulators and all the involved parties received, like, presidential pardon, but was also basically told to, like, back the fuck down. Billy the Kid was not a part of, like, this pardon. And honestly, like, we could do a whole podcast on this guy. <laughs> yeah. he's Like, there's I, yeah, just so much that, like, goes into it. But ultimately, a year and a half later, the governor put a $500 reward on Billy so, after all this, Billy ended up getting captured, and he was put in jail for four months. Until he killed two officers, and he escaped. Hasn't learned his lesson. No. Like, I mean, he's just going to continue to be on the run forever, yeah. he thinks. Mm -hmm. For four months, he hid in the desert of New Mexico. He was fleeing bounty hunters and law enforcement. Like, everybody was after the kid at this point because they wanted that $500 reward. Until July, when the same officer that originally caught Billy tracked him down again and attempted to arrest him again. Unfortunately, Billy resisted the arrest, and this time he was unable to arrest Billy, and Billy the kid ended up dying after he was shot in the head. It is said that Billy the Kid still haunts locations in Lincoln, New Mexico, until this day. He is often seen in the jail that he's held for those four months, but you may also catch him walking around in other parts of the town that he used to dwell as well. 
Since his death, Billy the Kid has also been a part of other wars as well. Now this time he may, have, may not have been holding a pistol on horseback, but he was playing a different role in a different kind of war. So, basically, who knew so many people would want to visit the grave of Billy the Kid and pay their respects? Well, there's plenty. There's thousands. But there's one problem for all of these thousands of people that want to go to Billy the Kid's grave. No one can agree on where exactly he's buried. But it also gets weirder. No one can agree on whether he died either. Lincoln, New Mexico holds like a hold strong to their story that he died as a teenager and he was buried then in Fort Sumner. Some say he was shot and killed at 21, which is like a few years older than he was at the time during like the Lincoln County War and all of that. I think he was like 19 during that. Others say he escaped for many years and died at an old age. Many people believe that Billy the Kid was actually William H. Bonney and lived a majority of his life in Heiko, Texas. However, there's another person that they think Billy the Kid might be, and his name is Henry McCarty. So they think that Henry McCarty might be like an alias for Billy the Kid. And if you Google Henry McCarty, Billy the Kid's information comes up and oh, it wow. gives yeah, it gives Heiko, Texas like as like the location. There's also a theory that a man named Ollie L. Roberts is the true Billy the Kid. And when he was alive, he went by the name Brushy Bill when he was old. Because he, like, <laughs> was really old. Yeah, he was, like, really old. However, Brushy Bill died of a heart attack in 1950 at the age of 90. And I'm pretty sure that Brushy Bill walked around saying that he was Billy the Kid. And he could have just been doing that for attention. Yeah. He could have been Billy the Kid. Mm -hmm. um, I think they were going to do, like, some more investigating in it are on it and like I think that he was gonna go to trial as Billy even at one point but then he died before it started because he was just like he had everybody convinced that he was Billy the Kid but there's like four other people that are saying they're Billy the Kid so like my thought process too is like why would you want to be Billy the Kid yeah like if you're Billy you the Kid you're going to prison forever exactly it's like probably if, like a popularity thing like, yeah, they want to be known for doing something crazy in their life, but, like, why? Yeah, I mean, if it's going to, like, I could choose, like, so many other people that aren't going to go to prison to say that I am. Like, I don't know. But no one may ever, like, know what truly happened to Billy the Kid, but one thing's for certain. His life didn't end the day he died, no matter when it was. Billy the Kid definitely lives on and sometimes will pop up when you least expect him to. After hearing these stories, you may decide you want to visit the town of Lincoln, New Mexico. The town is a one-mile strip located about 57 miles from Roswell, so I would suggest making like a weekender trip and just go into both towns. That's what I would do because yeah. I really want to go to Roswell. Um, but a couple of sites you'll want to visit is the Lincoln Courthouse. While the courthouse has had over 100 years of businesses in and out, it's now a museum. And it's also the building that Billy the Kid escaped from, where he killed the two deputies in the process and then got out. You can also visit the outside of the Tunstall store, um, but not the inside, because it looks like it's kind of like 
damaged. Like, I think it's abandoned at this point. Oh, wow. But you can see, like, the outside. Um, in the 1800s, it, like, wasn't built on solid foundations, so they closed it down. I think they moved the store to a different location, though. To finish your day, you might want to stop at the Bonito Valley Brewing Company. Now, I've never been here, but I did visit their website, and you can have a nice cold glass of L.G. Murphy Dry Irish Stout, Billy the Kid Amber, a 4440 IPA, which was a common bullet from the American frontier, or you can just, you know, visit the town and not go there, but I think <laughs> that it was really cool that they had, like, a brewing company that was, like, right on the strip, and they named yeah. all their beers after all these, like, yeah, yeah these that's really people cool. in the war. I love Billy the Kid's stories. I, just, I can, like, see that, like, famous photo of him. I don't know if you... There's just, like, a photo of him, I'm pretty sure. The one where he's just, like, standing there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Billy yeah. the Kid. And when I was, like, researching it, too, there's this guy, and he doesn't claim to be Billy the Kid or anything like that, but he was a Billy the Kid, like, impersonator for years in Lincoln, and he would, like, act out different Billy the Kid scenes in the town while people were walking around. What if he, he looked just like him? the real Billy the Kid? See, that's that what you do. Like, that would have to be, like, a time traveler situation, because this oh, was, is like, he, back like, in the young? 80s. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. I yeah. was gonna say, if you're gonna, like, you could be like, oh, I look just like Billy the Kid, but I'm not, but you mm-hmm. are. Yeah. But no one knows that because you're Until an impersonator. Until you're, like, on your deathbed. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, okay, I really was, but too late. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe Billy the Kid was a time traveler, though. Hey, he there's just some... just kind of vanish. There are some crazy photos out there of, like, people dressed in, like, the wrong era of clothing, mm-hmm. captured in a photo, and people are like, the heck? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so you never know. Maybe time travel is real. Maybe that's something we can talk about. That's kind of paranormal, I guess. Yeah, we should totally do an episode on that. Yeah, time travel. Okay, so, as y'all know, we like to add in a little bit of bars for more booze, please. So, are y'all ready from some Wild West saloons? Okay. I'm so ready. So, Big Nose Kate's Saloon. Yep. That's the name. promising. Yep. (laughs) It's said to be one of the most haunted eateries in its state. And its hometown? Tombstone, Arizona. So, I know. B&K first got its start as the Grand Hotel in September of 1880. It was declared one of the finest hotels in the state. It was luxurious from its furnishings to even its toilet stands and wallpaper. That was, like, really mentioned a lot. (laughs) So I guess those toilets were, like, top-notch porcelain. (laughs) I don't know. So during its first few years, it welcomed famous guests such as Wyatt and Verl Earp, Doc Holliday, and the Clinton Gang. The luxurious hotel would soon come to an end on May 25th, 1882, when a devastating fire ravaged the hotel, leaving only the seven arches and its floor joists. Although not much exists now of the old hotel, the tunnel leading to the old mine shaft still exists. The original long bar from the hotel still helps serve the saloon's thirsty bar goers. 
Now you might be wondering who the heck is Big Nose Kate? Because that's who the, the saloon is named after. She was a business-oriented ex-prostitute. As were and, all women back then. Yep, exactly. And she was known for her rather large nose, which I looked at. I, there's tons of photos of her, and it wasn't big. So shame on those who got onto her for a big nose, because honestly, I think mine's bigger, and I like my nose. So <laughs> sorry, Kate. Those are some mean people. So anyways... She was originally from Texas, and she saved Doc Holliday's life by busting him out of jail. That's badass. I know, right? Apparently, the two were like these almost like star-crossed lovers, and they loved each other, but they want to get married. Whatever. So, that's a little story about the person that owned Big Nose Kate. She was kind of like the business owner of uh, the Grand Hotel before. So... BNK's ghost. You could imagine that during the Wild West times in the 1800s, lots of things happened. I mean, back then everyone was killing everyone pretty much. So, its ghosts that live on in BNK is a handyman known as Swamper. Now, this is the most well-known ghost at the saloon. He, when he was alive, helped out as a janitor and was the Mr. Fix-It guy at the Grand. Swamper had a room deep in the basement where it was said he had quite the supply of silver as the mines that he was in contained silver. Run-ins with this ghost include photos where he has appeared and him roaming the halls and stairways, but especially the basement where he lived. One story tells of the building's owner and several employees exploring Old Swamper's tunnel. They soon discovered that it still led all the way to the old shafts of the Tough Nut Mine. <laughs> <laughs> Safely, they made their way back to the basement, but as they approached Swamper's Tunnel, they heard a loud moaning sound and heavy footsteps coming down the stairs leading to the tunnel. Sure that someone had come into the building, they came out of the tunnel and immediately started searching the premises, only to find the building empty and the door still locked. Perhaps Swamper was afraid that they were going to find his silver. Other sightings of ghosts include cowboy spirits, which have been seen at the bar drinking a beer, staring in the doorways, and when they get a little rowdy, even knocking over cases of beer. Which, I'm just saying, if I owned this bar, I'd be pretty pissed if a freaking cowboy ghost started knocking over my cases of beer. Yeah, for real. <laughs> that's BNK. It's a little saloon covered in cowboy ghosts. So, did you ever figure out what happened to Big Nose Kate? I was, this is what I was talking about. I was trying to find more information, and there's so many different stories on her. Mm. So... I didn't find out what happened to her and if her and Doc Holliday ever added up together. But I don't think so because I'm about to talk about Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday is a little... Oh, <laughs> Doc Holliday, you player. <laughs> okay, I'm excited to hear about your, your uh, saloon, so yes. hit me with it. I'm going to talk about Hotel Colorado Saloon. And this saloon was opened in 1883, which is weird because yours closed in 1882. Doc Holliday. And it was the same group of people running around together that went to this one. 
Just getting drunk, like going to like saloons and knocking this. them down. <laughs> <laughs> so the saloon was open in 1883 in Glenwood Springs, which is obviously in Colorado. And Glenwood Springs was originally known as Defiance. That was the like original town name. And started gaining its population because of its hot springs. It was thought that it would bring healing to those suffering. I chose this saloon because I've been to Glenwood Springs. And it's, oh, no way. Yeah, it's an awesome little town. Uh, we stopped for a night on our way from Denver to Moab, Utah, when we did the trip that started in Denver and ended in Las Vegas. Best trip of my life. But we stayed one night in Glenwood Springs. And we actually went to the Doc Holiday Saloon there. And I wanted to talk about that because when I was there, I just knew that it was haunted. Like, I just knew it. There was pictures of all, like, all the bandits and cowboys and stuff. And it was just, like, like a saloon from that time. And I just knew that it was haunted. But I couldn't find anything that suggested that it possibly was. Aww. So I had to go and I, like, I Google mapped it. But it's, like, across the river. So it's, like, a mile and a half probably from Doc Holiday's saloon is the Hotel Colorado Saloon. But, anyways, so he was a gambler and a dentist. John Henry Doc Holiday moved to Glenwood Springs after participating in the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona. So I was going to talk about OK Corral, really? the gunfight that happened. And, like, I love that the, like, our stories are just like. And we didn't plan this. Mm-hmm. You had no idea I was talking about Doc Holiday, and I had no idea you were talking about And I'm pretty sure I wrote my story before you wrote yours, yeah. so, like, it yep. was even, like, backwards as to how it's playing yep. out, but... So crazy. That's funny. Doc was a cool guy, though. <laughs> but he moved from Tombstone, Arizona to Glenwood Springs because he thought that the um, hot springs and like he said the air from the caves that were in Glenwood Springs he thought it would heal him of his tuberculosis fortunately he died they say with his boots off of tuberculosis at Hotel Glenwood on November 8, 1887 then six years later Walter Devereaux and his brothers founded the Hotel Colorado just a few blocks away Famous guests include Doc Holliday, Theodore Roosevelt, and Titanic survivor Molly Brown. Cool. Yeah. I love Molly Brown. Molly Brown. She's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> I think because we were talking about doing an episode on Titanic. Titanic. I think yeah. she would be a big part of it. If you know why Molly Brown has a special place <laughs> in my heart, then you're a smart you're, cookie. You're in the inner circle. You're in the inner <laughs> And you better know your information. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, so guests of the hotel and the saloon and even employees have claimed to see a very well-dressed lady. Like, she's going to a ball or, like, a tea party, and she's just this female ghost walking through. And she always comes through in the early hour, early morning hours, which I thought was like very odd because usually when they talk about it, it's like late at night or in the middle of the night. You never hear of like a guest that like wake a guest a ghost that wakes up early to haunt, mm-hmm. but she does, and people believe that this is the ghost of Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown. See, she's still unsinkable even in her afterlife. I love Molly Brown. <laughs> 
Teddy Roosevelt is said to haunt the saloon where he drank between like Colorado hunting expeditions, which he was known to go to frequently. But the, the, I guess the most like, I don't want to say the most famous ghost, but the ghost that is like the most popular with employees is the ghost of Herbie Lyle. And he died at the saloon when his appendix burst during a party in the, like, I guess the ballroom, like, off of the saloon. And he appears regularly in the saloon's mirror, which I'm terrified of, by the way. That's mirrors. scary. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah. Sightings are so common that employees apparently just say, hi, Harvey, and just go about their business. Like, they don't even, like, think about it anymore. It's, it makes me think when they're in their interview process, someone being like, how do you feel about ghosts? Mm-hmm. They probably have to. Cause, yeah, right. Yeah, because could you imagine, like, being there by yourself and then seeing somebody in the mirror and, like, turning around and they weren't there and then turning no back around? No one's there. I'm, like, yeah. scared of mirrors. Like, you think yep. I'm scared of mm-hmm. chairs? Like, I'm scared of mirrors. I have mirrors in my bathrooms, and that's the only room in my house that I will have a mirror. When I'm opening the medicine cabinet freaks me out to close it again because I'm like please nothing be behind me so same I don't mirrors are scary they are scary I just feel like there's so much more to them than we realize yep back to back to the saloon so I know sorry (laughs) you just picked such a great one that I'm like oh my gosh yeah all these people I know okay I had to look like I had to search high and low for this one too this is such a good one though I love all the people in it okay so on the main floor just outside of the saloon I guess the saloon kind of connects to the hotel and I looked up pictures and the hotel's like beautiful really want to go but there's a ghost named Bobby and Bobby is assumed to date back to at least World War II because the hotel was previously a naval hospital. So basically, I just want to do an episode on just the hotel. Because there was a lot of, like, a lot of stories about the hotel. But I didn't want to get into all of that in this mm-hmm. one. Um, but the story goes that she was a nurse at the naval hospital during the war. And was allegedly killed by a jealous lover and an officer stationed at the hotel. The rumor is they were shipped out to cover up their crimes but the story was leaked by local hospital workers. Over the years, Bobby has surfaced in a number of stories around the hotel, especially associating with like the dining room area where the saloon and the bar and like the main floor is. And guests and hotel workers have reported smelling a specific perfume trailing from Bobby's favorite table to the buffet line and back. Some guests have identified it as gardenia, a perfume from- Gardenia. Gardenia? Yeah. Gardenia? Gardenia. Some guests have identified it as Gardenia, a perfume from the 30s and 40s that's no longer in production. Aw. That's crazy. Yeah. So, there's a lot going on there, and I really want to go and... I love when places are like that, though. Mm -hmm. When they're, like, covered in ghosts. Yeah. But not not scary ghosts that are gonna like chop your head off when you're asleep because like what is it i think it's like the haunted ship that's here in california Mm -hmm. forget what it's called but i think that's the one that has like a haunted room and multiple people have said to have like died in that room for no reason like 
like not like oh died in their sleep like ripped apart oh wow yeah so i don't like when places are covered in scary ghosts but if there are nice ghosts like bobby and harvey like i'll go say hi history buffs yeah like oh i can go to a place and see molly brown in the afterlife I'm what's okay up with that. tell me about your life <laughs> But if it's Bloody Mary, who's going to rip my head off? Not okay. No. Not okay. No. No, thank you. This story really made it made me want to do the episode that we're talking about doing on the Stanley Hotel. Because oh, I yeah. stayed there, too. And, like, things happened to me while I was there. As you guys can see, Hillary doesn't mind staying in spooky or crazy mm. places. As for me, no. No, I've got no. so many good stories about the Stanley, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. You can, I, yes, I know one of them. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind. Yeah, I think about Blows it my a lot. Mind. A yeah. lot. I guess it's time to wrap things up. So thank you guys yes. for listening to us. We really appreciate it. We also just wanted to let everyone know that we've added Ireland and Canada to our list of listeners, as well as 10 more U.S. states. How cool. Yes, we have. So cool. I love when we see a new country or state pop up on our stats. It makes me feel so special. (laughs) But be sure and let us know what you want to hear. You can message us on Instagram or shoot us an email at moreboozeplease at gmail.com with any urban legends or themes you want us to cover. Yeah, be sure and send those emails to moreboozeplease plz at gmail.com we love to get listener stories and we can't wait to share them i know we say this every episode and you guys are probably just sitting around wondering like when your stories are going to get told because we've got some really good stories so far and we plan to do that next 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 week or the week after next week next week so as soon as you listen to this episode Send in your listener stories so you can be featured on the next episode because we're going to yeah. do a special and it's going to be different than what mm-hmm, we've been doing mm-hmm, so far. Mm-hmm. So send us your stories. Exactly. Yeah, and tell us what you want of this podcast. But while you're waiting on the next episode, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at More Booze. Please. And don't forget to go like and review us on our podcast. The more reviews we get, the higher on the charts we climb, the more spooky stories you get to hear like the Stanley Hotel. Exactly. And guys, don't forget about our Patreon. Go ahead and donate <laughs> so we can do some really cool things with it like continue this podcast yes and you can listen to all of our exclusive interviews that we're going to be doing Mm -hmm. on our patreon starting with the one from last week with bobby mackies but there will be more in the future so go ahead and donate we still have to have that megan fun going on if you know you know yep still barring my mic (laughs) <laughs> just go to patreon.com slash more booze please and you can choose what tier you would like to be you can choose from spirits chilled or top shelf tiers and just like hillary had mentioned before don't forget each tier comes with different perks if you want to hear an interview hillary did with some awesome chicks you can do that by just signing up look at which one it includes and picking that tier 
we have some really cool ideas coming your way. Like, next week, we're changing it up completely. It's not going to be... Well, I don't want to say it's not going to be. We're not planning to have haunted Should we tell them stories. what we're doing? No. We should leave it a surprise. Oh, but we are stepping out of the haunted ghost stories for a week. And we're going to do something different. So tune in. Yeah. Well, guys, until next time, goodbye.